Hey guys, welcome to the Hustle Faithfully podcast where determination meets devotion. Find us on all streaming platforms at www.hustlefaithfully.com. This week we are picking up where we left off last week with the tension of transition. Yes, yes, yes. Last week you heard some very in-depth and powerful stories from Ricardo about some transitions that he had in life and now I get to start. <laughs> no, <we're waiting. laughs> yeah, let's go. Well, there's a couple of things that um, I'll discuss. Yeah. This will be multiple episodes as well. Mm-hmm. So this whole series will be several, several episodes. Yeah. A transition that I have been faced with recently mm-hmm. was the passing of my grandmother. Yeah. Now it's been it's been over a year as of the time of this recording and I have never been one that's really been faced with a lot of grief pertaining to a lost loved one. Mm -hmm. I have been very fortunate that pretty much everybody that's well, everybody that's close to me is still alive and here with us. So I don't really know how to deal with it. Right. Now, backing up from there, my wife lost her first husband. She came home from work one day, and and he was deceased in the vehicle. And she went through grief counseling, and as did uh, Jack, her oldest son, my middle son. They went through grief counseling. So she understands it from a place that... I don't. Right. And still, even losing a grandmother versus losing a spouse, still completely different. And I have knowingly pushed it to the side. Mm -hmm. In fact, last Christmas was the first time that I shed a tear about her being gone since her funeral. I just would package it up in a box and make sure that it was wrapped up so well that Nobody, including myself, could get into it. Um, I recall the first time that I went into where she lived, because she lived in a basement apartment at my parents' house. The first time that I went in there after she had passed away, uh, one of my friends was with me, mm-hmm. and I felt it boiling up in me, you know, starting to get emotional. and. We're men. We don't cry. And I used some colorful language. Mm -hmm. And then I said, she's dead. Let's go. And he looked at me. He was shocked, even though he's known me for 24 years. He wasn't shocked in how I responded. He was just shocked that I responded to that situation the way that I did. We go from there almost a year later to Christmas Day. Mm And my wife, my kids, they were all in the living room, essentially waiting on me. I went into my bedroom and it just really hit me then that she's gone. My grandmother was a very strong woman. She lived a long life. She lived life on her terms without a doubt. And I don't, I guess it was because it was the first Christmas without her. I don't know. 
I was standing in my bedroom. I shed a tear. I wiped it away. I, I went to the living room. And that was it. I mean, that, that was it. A few days into January, I was talking with that same friend. Uh, he and I have been friends for 24 years. And so we've been through ups and downs of life with each other. His aunt just recently passed away. And he had called me and let me know that there were some challenges with him and his wife. Right. And I said, you know what? Don't make any hasty decisions before we chat. Well, it took us a couple of weeks to actually get to the point of where we were able to talk to each other. And I asked him, I said, how much of the issues with you and your wife are real challenges and real issues versus how much of them may be exacerbated because of your emotions of just losing your aunt? And he's like, ah, oh, I don't know. And that's really what I wanted to point out to him. Cause you know, when you're in that emotional state, yeah. something that's an anthill will seem like Mount Everest. Yeah. And in that conversation that I had with him that day, there were times that I started getting emotional and there, there was a couple times he's like, Jonathan, you there? Cause I had to take a break from talking because to, to, to be quite honest with you, I, I, I was crying. And I said, how are you handling the grief? And he told me, and I said, so basically you're saying, oh, well, it's done. Let's move on. He said, yeah, pretty much. I said, you know, that's the same way that I'm handling it too. I just don't know how to, he said, I don't either. Well, that night, as we were drifting off to sleep, I started talking to my wife because it came up with me again. And that whole term of men don't cry is the biggest crock of crap there ever was. Yet that's a conversation that Kate and I have had, my wife and I have had very recently, we were watching a documentary and it was about some big muscle men. It was about the American gladiators. If you remember that show from the eighties and one of them made that comment that, you know, men don't cry and, or, or boys don't cry or something. And he said, yeah, but men do. <laughs> and the whole thing is it's beat into our head that men don't cry. So even though we know that that is not an accurate statement, a lot of times we feel like we have to live up to it. It's a double-edged sword that's really not fair to us. And I remember talking with my wife that night, and I looked away the entire time. And she didn't want me to look at her or anything because she she knew that I was crying and she knows that I don't like her to see me that way. And we were just sitting there chatting and then we made the, well, I made the determination to go down to my grandmother's grave. Clearly I hadn't been there. And so the next chance that we had she went down there with me. And I remember asking her, I said, do you want to go with me? She said, I want you to do whatever's right for you. If you want me to go, then I'll go. And if you don't, then I won't. Well, truth be told, I didn't want her to because I was afraid that I was going to sit there and ball the entire time. But yet then again, to even strengthen our relationship further, I'm like, 
if she sees that, that might help us out a lot. So we went down there and then long story short, there was no headstone on my grandmother's grave. So it, there was no resolve. I mean, it, it did not feel like I was at her grave because there was nothing signifying. She made the comment. She asked me, she said, how are you feeling? I said, I'm fine. And she said, well, what do you feel about seeing your grandfather's grave? Because they had plots right next to each other. And I, I'm like, Kate, I, I don't really remember him. So it doesn't bother me. And even on the way back, I asked her, I said, why is it that I was just essentially okay? She said, you know, there could be reasons. There could be multiple reasons. But it could also be that you're further along in your grief process than what you think you are. She said, you know, you could be to that acceptance stage already. That's interesting. Because since then, it hasn't bothered me. We're talking about it right now. It's not emotionally bothering me. What's your thoughts? First off, have, have you experienced lost grief like that in your life? Yeah. Can't even count the number of times I've experienced loss of grief that way. Okay. I mean, there has been a lot. There's been so many that that I've I got a, a long history and a deep well to draw from when it comes to dealing with grief. Okay. You know, and I've dealt with it in different ways. You know, both good and bad. You know, but yeah, there's there's, there's a lot of history there. Okay. Um, and that question you asked, um, and reframe the question again that you asked me after when you when you mentioned your grandmother. Yep. You asked me what my thoughts were on the question that you asked. Right. Well, I really felt nothing at her grave. Right. Yeah. I really felt nothing at her grave. Mm -hmm. And I was really essentially building myself up mm -hmm. because I was not aware of what I was getting myself into right. while I was going to be there. Mm -hmm. And my wife, who's been through grief counseling. Right. Um, she said that there's multiple things that that can mean. Right. One of which could be maybe I'm further along in the process mm -hmm. than what I thought I was. Mm -hmm. Maybe I've actually come to the acceptance yeah. of the fact that she's gone. Because mm -hmm. there's four stages of grief, and mm -hmm. I wish that I had them listed out here. But acceptance is one of them. Mm -hmm. And she said maybe you're at that stage and you just didn't realize it. Yeah. And and that's it, because like I said, just like acceptance is a part of it, denial is another part of it. You know, um, I've I've been on both sides of that, and like like we were talking about off camera before this about what Kate said to you to you about your response. Um, there are multiple levels to that, and, sure, and, and layers to that, and there is a part of that where there could be acceptance, and you reach that part of this point of acceptance without knowing it. Um, but there's also this this part that I've experienced in addition to the acceptance part where it looks the same. It's like uh, I think we had this discussion before. It's like um, those stunt chairs they use in Hollywood. They look just like the real chairs. What you don't know is what the weight they can hold. Mm -hmm. When you sit on it, you know whether you had the real thing or the fake one. So the emotional response can look just like the real thing like you have reached a point of acceptance, but you won't know until there's something that happens that puts weight in that area and you break and you realize I'm not quite where I thought it was. 
So, and it's because when these, when like for me, when these traumas have happened, my 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 mind has, has tried to find a way. I mean, we're bi- biologically predisposed to self-preservation. So when certain things happen, our body automatically, our mind automatically tries to figure out the the best way to sort or deal with this thing that's hurting me because it wants to protect me from being hurt. Mm-hmm. So it finds somewhere to put it. Even if it didn't put it, put it in the right place, it'll store it because I need to get rid of this because the way you're feeling is is contrary to your preservation. You know, so I need to find somewhere to store this. So I've had things that have been stored in the right place where I've been able to deal with them in a way that allows me to be okay with what I've dealt with. And I've had things stored in a place that makes me feel like I've dealt with it because I'm not conscious of its existence right now in the way that I was. So I must be okay. Well, because these things can be stored and it's like um, it's like the instincts that we have. If someone throws a ball at, at you, the first thing you're going to do is what you don't have to think about the fact there's a ball coming. If you look up and you just happen to see a ball coming, you don't take this out. What do I want to reach up and block this ball to be able to catch it? Right. Your, your body responds without your permission to what's happening to it or what's coming towards it. That's that could harm it or hurt it. There's an emotional instinct that sets that's just similar to that, where there's an emotional thing that happens without your participation. Like you don't have to be consciously aware that something is going on for there to be a response to it. There can be something that happens to you or a situation you put in where there's an emotional, instinctual response that happens to this thing that that, that goes on. It could be something someone says. Something someone does, something that reminds you of this person that passed. It can be any number of things that happens. And you say, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Well, because consciously you're not aware that this thing is there. Then there's something that happens that triggers this emotional, instinctual response that happens without your participation. And all of a sudden, you're in tears. And you're like, where the heck did that come from? The same place that this comes from when a ball is coming towards you and you don't choose to throw your hand up. It just happens instinctually. Your body remembers your body stores this information about the things that have happened to you and affected you. And it's a part of the hardwiring of self-preservation where your body is, is wanting to protect you, whether it's emotionally or physically, or it responds in certain ways based on things that are happening that could hurt you either emotionally or physically. And we're not always conscious of the responses or all the, all the things that's happening until they happen. You were all oh, crap. I didn't even know I felt that way about that thing. I didn't know I was still dealing with that thing. I thought I was over it, but I'm sitting here. My shirt is soaked from these tears. Obviously, that thing is still there in me, but you would not know until something triggered that instinctual, uh, emotional response that takes place when something happens that's coming against you in that area or, or happening that triggers that thing to, to take place in, in your in your mind or in, in your heart where your body responds in a way without you having to think about a conscious response, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm just saying that in that situation that you're in, it's one of those things where it could be A, it could be B, you know? It could be a little bit of both where you're you're further along than you think, but you're not quite, quite where, you, where you need to be, right? you know? And then you could be in a situation where you have not dealt with it at all, and this is a facade, but you don't, you're not aware of it until something happens that triggers it and lets you know, I'm, I'm dealing with a Hollywood stunt chair. Right. So you cannot outrun grief. No. It will catch up with you. Time, people say time heals all things. Lie, lie, 
lie, lie. Time only, only causes you to deal with it longer if you haven't dealt with it at all. That you just deal with it longer. Time doesn't heal it. Time didn't heal not a single wound that I had from the traumas I dealt with in my, in my past. So how do you bring it to the forefront? Because what I don't want to have happen is, okay, again, I may be further along than what I'm aware of. Yes. I may not be. Right. What I don't want to have happen is I'm dealing with something good, mm -hmm. great in life. Yeah. And then something triggers it. Mm -hmm. And I just have a complete meltdown. I mean, mm -hmm. how how horrible would it be if I'm in the process of signing a contract or purchasing a home or mm -hmm. on vacation with my family or yeah. you know celebrating a birthday of my wife or one of my kids, and mm -hmm. it hits me right then when everything's supposed to be great, everything's supposed to be joyful, and it's just like all I want to do is cry. All yeah. I want to do is uh, run into my own hole and hibernate. Mm -hmm. How do you bring it to the forefront so that you can say, you know what? I'm ready to deal with it now. I'm ready to get over it, mm -hmm. get past it. And you never get over losing a loved one. Mm -hmm. Yet you can get past the, the heartache. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing that Kate told me, she said, when I was asking her of some of the things that I could potentially be in store for. Yeah. She said, everybody deals with this stuff in their own way. She said, maybe going to the grave site is what you need. Mm -hmm. Maybe you just need to sit down and look at a bunch of pictures of her. Mm -hmm. Maybe you need to just tell stories about her. Yeah. She said, you know, everybody deals with it differently. Mm -hmm. I said, so as an example, with the pictures, I said, so what you're telling me is a good chance. I said, it could just be a tear fest the entire time. Mm -hmm. You know, I look at pictures for 10 minutes or 10 hours. And all I do is sit there and think about her and have those memories. And it makes me cry. Mm -hmm. And then I go back and I do it the next time. But I cry a little bit less. And then the next time and I cry a little bit less. And it just keeps progressing. And then those tears ultimately turn into smiles and laughter. And instead of being sad that I don't get to experience that, now it's just the joy of remembering the experience of it. Right. How do I bring it to here and now mm -hmm. so that I can face it, so that I can know, okay, I have accepted this. I am okay. I have moved on. Or, okay, really, it's a facade. I haven't dealt with any of it and I need to do it now. How do you, how do I bring it to present day? Well, let me tell you the response you had when you were there in the house with the friend that you said were there, that was part of the, the masking. Yes. Of emotion. No doubt. Like the way you deal with those things is when it happens and it, and it, and it makes itself uh, visible in your life or, or apparent. You, did, you have to deal with it then. You have to be honest with yourself about what you're feeling and what you're dealing with. Because anytime I've told myself that, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good or did, did something or said something to change the, the, the trajectory of, of my emotions in this moment because I didn't want to feel a certain way, I want to do a certain thing, I short-circuit my ability to deal with it and overcome it because I, I deflect instead of embracing the fact that I'm not okay, you know? I deflect and say, oh, I'm good. 
but the not okay is now restored again. Mm-hmm. So you keep not okay for the the the, the this idea of, of being okay. The reality is you're not. You, you embrace the idea and hide the reality. You know, so at times the 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 reality will show itself because you, you held on to it. The idea will disappear because it's, it's it's fleeting. You know, it only exists here while the reality is still here. You have you 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 have to embrace the reality. You know, and you have to deal with it in that moment and not store it again, you know, because if you don't, it, it, it will continue to invade your life at, at times unexpected. That emotional, instinctual response to external stimulus that causes that reality to show up again. And now the idea that you that was hiding it can no longer hide it because it bursts onto the scene. Like, here I am. You didn't deal with me. So even if you're in the middle of doing something great or enjoying yourself, you have to be honest about what's happening and address it in real time, no matter where you are and what you're going, what you're dealing with, because you keep going through that thing if you don't deal with it when it shows up. Because it'll hide again and then it'll show up again. You know, that's the best way to deal with it. I had to like I had to speak at my grandfather's funeral. That was difficult for me to do. I spoke at my brother's funeral. That was difficult to do. And in both situations, my, my, my grandfather and my brother were there. Both of them were different. I didn't speak at my father's funeral or my grandmother's funeral. Um, both of those were different because I had a, a, a much greater relationship with my grandfather than I did my brother. Mm-hmm. I had to own it in front of everybody that I wasn't there for him during the time I talked. And I wasn't a very good brother, big brother. That was what I owned in front of everybody. My nephews, everybody that was there, his mom, everybody. Um, but that was me dealing with what was going on and how I how I was feeling at the moment. I felt shame. I felt guilt for not being there for him because of the, the issues me and him had and not being a big a good big brother to him. You know, I had to deal with that. And I dealt with some of that stuff. Well, you know, the tears and all man, he's gone and I can't can't fix it. So I had to deal with that publicly. With my grandfather. I, I said during his funeral, I said, you know, I want to celebrate the life of the man that I knew that set an example for so many, mm-hmm. not grieve the loss of my of my grandfather, you know, and that's how I addressed it, where it was. He's gone. But and I pointed at, at different people that he's taught so many of us so many things. He's left something that even when he dies, he still lives, that that stuff is still worth celebrating. Like. He wouldn't want me to be here right now crying over all the things, crying over him being gone. My grandfather asked me, did you hear what I said? You know, did you hear what I said? The things I've taught you, what I've said to you, do you, did you hear what I said? I'm gone. Did you hear what I said? Live, live your life well. Live well based off of what I've taught you and what I've done and what I've shared with you. There's things that should keep living even when I'm gone. So it was for me celebrating a life lived rather than mourning one loss, because I can still live. And by me living, my grandfather and things he's taught, I'm able to teach it to my kids and grandkids and so forth, and it lives on. So that helped me to deal with that. And then I I went through the grieving process differently, because when I looked at it, Haiti's gone. But I was able to celebrate the fact that I had it, you know? And it made it a whole lot different than running away from the grief. I I embraced the life, you Mm -hmm. know, in the grief wasn't the same and I was able to get to it different. 
you know, but that's how I had to do. I had to learn how to deal with it after losing so many people and seeing so many people die. I had to learn how to deal with it. Because how did it during the kill? Mm. My sister being the number one. That one during it took me out of here. I couldn't talk about that. I still haven't been to her gravesite. But it wasn't going to the gravesite that was the issue. It was just talking about her and even saying her name, you know, that I had a hard time dealing with. So just getting to a point where my grieving process, where I was at a point where I could talk about her and acknowledge her and talk about her to other people, that was that changed everything for me. I, even if I never go to her gravesite, I mean, I want to, but even if I never go, I'm not. I, I won't feel any different going to her gravesite. It'll be like the the period at the end of the sentence. But the the the, the part I needed to deal with was the part I couldn't deal with, which was talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, that was overcoming that hump that hump for me because every time I felt that 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 welling of emotion that she was brought up, I, <laughs> nope, nope, not dealing with it. And would plus somebody out, they brought her name. Up. I would, I would, my my other sister when she mentioned her. I miss so and so. I would get upset. Don't 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 you say her name. This is her sister too. She was mm-hmm. literally right there beside me when everything happened. How do I get to tell her that she how how to grieve and how to deal with this? Because that's how bad mine was, you know. So just dealing with it in real time, no matter where you are, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you think about what other people are going to say, you have to deal with it right now. Mm-hmm. You know, that's interesting because one thing that I said to my wife was something about my reaction of going through it and the embarrassment that I would feel. Mm-hmm. And she's like, why would you feel embarrassment? Again, because of that thing that's beat into our head as guys. Men don't cry. Right. And she's like, no, you you got to deal with it, you know? Yes. And so... Maybe with me it is the pictures because there's only been one picture that I really remember looking at. Two, excuse me, two pictures that I really remember looking at mm-hmm. since she's been gone. Yeah. And the reason is because one of them was my wedding picture. Mm-hmm. I know the last time that I looked at that, I actually mm-hmm. looked at it. Whereas mm-hmm. every other time when I would see that white head of hair, mm-hmm. I would immediately get it off the screen. Yeah. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's just looking at pictures of her and I together, of yeah. her with my kids, you know, all that type of stuff. Maybe that's it. Because when you've never really had to deal with it, mm-hmm. you don't know how. Yeah. But thankfully, I have my wife. Thankfully, I have you. Thankfully, mm-hmm. I have people that can help push me through it and deal with it. Yeah. Because, again, yeah. I can't think of a – a situation that would be worse than living on a high mm-hmm. and then that coming in and really taking that high down to just ground level mm-hmm. or even worse. That's the difference between knowing whether you have the substance of healing of, or the substitute for healing. Wow. The substance of healing or the substitute for healing. Mm-hmm. You like the pictures you talked about. You you have to. I, I would sit down in front of a, an album and just flip, just go through and and spend time thinking about those moments, like that moment, what was happening in the moment, like and remember the smile on her face and what she was saying, what right. was going on, and go through that. And if you can get through that thing, like 
smiling and remembering all the, the things, she, amazing things she said, the hugs she gave and all that stuff. You can come through that smiling. You know you're good. Mm-hmm. If you if if you're getting tear tear out and choked up, you still you you know you still got a ways to go. But that doesn't mean you're not okay. I mean you're getting there, you're just not there. And yeah. be honest with I'm not there yet. And be okay with that. Because like I said, you don't want to walk away with a substitute when you will get in situations at some point in time where substance is required and all you got is substitute available to you. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't want a substitute emotion. You want something real. Wow. So what have you guys been faced with? Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's a situation where you haven't had to grieve the loss of a loved one, so you don't know how to. Right. You know, I lost my, I've lost all four of my grandparents. One of them I don't remember. Um, but this one was the one that hit the hardest because I lived with her for many, many years. Yeah. My grandmother and I were inseparable for a long, long, long time. I was her shadow. So this one does hit different than any other ones. And so what is it that you're dealing with? Leave it in the comments. Maybe you don't want to get in depth about it, and I understand that. But let us know in the comments of exactly what you're dealing with and how you've gotten through it and gotten over it and gotten past it. Because not only could it possibly help me in the situation we've talked about today, but it could help all the people that are looking at the comments and reading and listening and and saying, hey, you know what? I relate with that and I don't know how to move past it. You've gotten some good insight today of how to deal with it and how to progress forward. But, you know, somebody that leaves a comment might have another method that helps you. Because like we talked about here today, everybody reacts and responds differently. So let it be heard. You're not only helping possibly me, you're helping the other viewers, the other listeners in how to deal with their grief and their trauma. So we appreciate you listening in today. Join us next week for part three of tension of transition because losing a loved one is definitely a transition so next week we will be discussing the same topic but it's showing up for your children in ways that you never had it modeled for you yourself that's going to be a great episode of exactly how to show up when you've never been modeled how to show up for your son, for your daughters, for your kids, for your wife. Be here with us again next Thursday as we dive into showing up for those when we've never had the example set for us. Until then, have a great week. Remain blessed and unstoppable. Guys, something that I failed to to say on our last episode, I will not forget again. (laughs) If you're going to hustle, remember to hustle faithfully. Talk to you guys later.